Good morning, guys. <laughs> Here's just a good laugh. I was trying to get it to stop, and it just kept on going. I was like, okay, guys, let's let's stop the dramatic intro music now. It's been going long enough. I was running a little bit late this morning trying to get some clues on the rent. So I, I looked at the clock, and I was like, oh, my goodness, it's 11.01. I'm so glad to see you all here. Good morning, Liz and Florida Girl and Sherbird. I'm so happy y'all are here and could join us. Um, today, we're going to go over the book of Job. Oh, we'll start the book of Job. I know we're not going to finish the book of Job. I have many favorite books of the Bible. Job is definitely uh, along the tops of my favorites. It's a difficult book for some to to even read because, you know, they look at Job and, and they see and hear what had happened. And well, if you're a visual reader like I am, you kind of visualize as you're reading. And so you can kind of picture, you know, a man that was as good as Job, but yet he has all of these horrible things happen to him. And it makes you wonder, well, if that can happen to him, you know, God could do that to me. But what I hope that you can learn out of this is it's not God doing it to him, but rather Satan that's doing these things. And Satan had kind of, you know, watched Job and and knew that Job was probably at this time was you know, the greatest man, it even says he was the greatest man of all the East. And so I think it was the East. Yes, he was the greatest man of all the East. That's Job 1-3. And we'll read that in just a moment. But I just wanted to kind of give a little intro and, and talk about it a little bit. But it really, you know, Satan has has been watching Job and sees that Job is the greatest of all the greats. And so it's it's like, you know, when he, he talks to God and he picks Job out, God, you know, allows it because he's like, well, I know that you've been watching. And um, so he, he allows him to test him, but says, you know, you could do what you, you could test him however you want, but you cannot physically harm him. So um, that was part of it. And and that's one thing that's an important perspective, I think, on the book of Job is that God will allow things to happen. You know, we question and wonder, well, why does God do this, especially when there's there's children involved? Um, why does God do this and why does God allow this to happen? And it helps us learn that no matter what we do. God does still love us and God isn't allowing these things. It's it's evil that that does these things and God tries to turn them into good. And, and it reminds us that there's no no works that we can do that's going to get us that mercy and, and into heaven. It's only by the sheer grace alone that we're able to be worthy of getting into heaven and worthy of Christ. It's because of his blood on the cross that allows us to have that grace. Um, so we're going to um, dive in a little bit. I've got another uh, little section here. It 
that it does just kind of describe it. It says, we do not know precisely where these historical events took place. The land of Uz in Job 1.1 may have been somewhere between Palestine and Arabia. The exact time is also unknown. But many believe that Job lived at the same time as Abraham in the patriarchal age. Nowhere is the law of Moses or the nation of Israel mentioned. The book of Job is, was an early part of the wisdom literature of the Old Testament, but it was not connected with Psalms, Pro, Proverbs, the Song of Solomon, Ecclesiastes, or any other biblical book. Job is recognized even by secular literary critics as being among the world's most magnificent, magnificent dramatic pieces. It is comprised mostly of poetic passages. Hebrew poetry did not have Western-style meter or rhyme. It was composed of parallel thoughts, which were settlements with or contrasting. Only the first and second chapters and the last chapter are prose. Job is the most ancient statement which addresses the perennial multitudinous questions of the problem of evil and human suffering. How could such a good God make such an evil world? Why should we do good? What reward is there for living right? Why do some righteous people suffer and why does sin sometimes go unpunished? How does this square with the concept of a fair, holy, loving God? Does God really care and care for and protect his people who revere him? Are adversity and affliction a sign that a sufferer is wicked? If God is good, why does he allow the suffering of the innocent? The story begins with a very prosperous, respected, and good man who was devastated in just one day. He lost everything he had, including all of his ten children. However, he refused to blame God for his troubles. Later, Job was stricken with a terrible disease, and he suffered excruciating pain for a long time. Then, in three series of dialogues, some of his friends, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar, came to comfort him. But later, they began to criticize him unmercifully along traditional lines of religious thought. They were certain that all of these horrible things which had happened to Job were due to his own sin. They simplistically taught that all suffering was always a result of sin. Therefore, if Job would only repent of his sins, all would be well again. Job knew better. He was sure that he did not deserve this alleged cruel punishment, but he could not understand how God could let this happen to him. And so he was faced with the dilemma that God must be dealing unfairly with him or there was some other unknown explanation. He desired to regain the honor that he once had as a good man. He boldly challenged God to allow him to plead his own case in chapters 29 through 31. He struggled on with the confidence that he would eventually be vindicated. Job never did lose his faith. Another friend, Elihu, appeared in Job. 32, 1 through 37 and 24, and declared that afflictions sometimes do come from God in order to purify the righteous, and that this in no way indicates God is unloving. It is only his way of calling us back to him like a father chastening his children. Suffering sometimes instructs us in righteousness and prevents us from sinning. Elihu cautioned Job not to question God or accuse him. He told Job to humbly submit himself to God's will. Then God spoke in chapters 38 through 41. 
God chose not to answer any of Job's penetrating questions. Instead, God overwhelmed Job with a panoramic view of his creative power and divine wisdom. Then God reprimanded the friends of Job for not understanding the true meaning of Job's suffering. Job was truly humbled and felt foolish in Job 42, 1 through 6. Unless you can canvas your own world, how can you presume to tell God how to run his world? Finally, God restored Job twofold in Job 42, 7 through 17. Do we understand the enigmas of life any better than Job did? We did not ask to be born, and we are just as bewildered about the prosperity of evil men and the calamities of good men. But now that Jesus has come, we can understand the mystery much better. He suffered much and was unjustly condemned and executed, yet he too was victorious. Surely we can see that all things do work together for good to those who love God. And that was, we discussed that in Romans 8, 28. So Job, um, he lived about 200 plus years. And the reason why it says, you know, that of the time and trying to put the timing in, because none of the patriarchs were mentioned. Abraham wasn't mentioned. Isaac wasn't mentioned. Jacob nor Joseph was mentioned. So that's why they're saying that, you know, that must have been the time. Plus, it was before the covenant because the covenant was not mentioned as well. And so we're going to dive in to Job 1. And this is the NASB 1977 edition. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was blameless, upright, fearing God, and turning away from evil. And seven sons and three daughters were born to him. His possessions also were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and very many servants. And that man was the greatest of all the men of the East. Now, this in, in passage three, it it's showing his measure of wealth was in his possessions of the animals and his flocks. They are not they've not been able to locate the land of Uz exactly, but they are thinking that it's probably located to the east of Palestine, near Arabia and Edom um, by Jeremiah twenty five twenty. Which says, and all their, and all the foreign people, all the kings of the land of Uz, all the kings of the land of the Philistines, even Ashkelon, Gaza, Akron, and the remnant of Ashon, as well as in Lamentations 4:21, rejoice and be glad, O daughter of Eden, Edom, who dwells in the land of Uz, but the cup will come around you. Around to you as well, you will become drunk and make yourself naked. But the part of that there um, that pertains to this was that it was in the land of us. Job is described, among other things, as a blameless man, does not indicate that he was sin sinlessly perfect. This was never claimed of Job. He was a man of integrity and moral and spiritual stability. Verse 4, and his sons used to go and hold a feast in the house of each one on his day, 
and they would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. And it came about when the days of feasting had completed their cycle that Job would send and consecrate them, rising up early in the morning and offering burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, Perhaps my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did continually. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From roaming about on the earth and walking around on it. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? For there is no one like him on on the earth, a blameless and upright man, fearing God and turning away from evil. Now in this passage, God is not saying it as more of a question because God already knows the answer. God already, he, he knows he's the most mighty of us, of any, you know, I can't even say really being God is just the most mighty of mighty. And so God already knows that Satan has been looking and watching Job. Then Satan answered the Lord, does Job fear God for nothing? So, I mean, he's, he's already, Satan has already thought about it and thought about, you know, Job. And it's, that's how he knows that Job saying, does Job fear God for nothing? Hast thou, thou not made a hedge about him and his house and all that he has on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. But put forth thy hand now and touch all that he has. He will surely curse thee to thy face. So Satan's saying, well, the only reason why Job fears you is because you've blessed him. He doesn't know what it is to be without. He doesn't know what it is to be without all the things that you've given him. So that's why he fears, because he fears of losing these possessions, these worldly things. Then the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not put forth your hand on him. So Satan departed from the presence of the Lord. So that's where God says, you know, you could do what you want, but don't you harm him physically. And Satan is introduced here as a force behind all the calamities which came upon Job. Though he is mentioned only in these verses and a few times in chapter 2, his presence and influence pervade the the major part of the book of Job. This passage is important for the Christian to understand. It shows how Satan works to trap and ensnare people. God does not build hedges around, in quotes, his people so that Satan cannot approach him, them. However, he does not leave us defenseless just as he did not leave Job to his own resources. The Christian has the additional power which Christ has made available to him through the Holy Spirit to fend off the discouragement and enticements of the, the devil in Ephesians 6.13, the armor of God. And I will read that one. I didn't have it marked, but I'll get to it just a second. I normally have these marked, but I didn't this morning. Not on that one. I was going to just say that it was the armor of God, but I felt that, you know, this is this is a very important part. So we definitely need to, it's always good to go back through it too, to be able to have that and 
to reflect on. And it's important that we, we never really take that armor off and we keep it polished. The way we keep that armor polished is by, by constantly reading the word and, and applying the word, not just knowing and hearing it, but applying it in our life, because that's where it really sticks and becomes to where it's kind of second nature is if we are constantly in that and in that word and in that scripture. So that way we can be able to fight off whatever may come. So I'm going to read Ephesians 6, 11 and go down through 20. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with the truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming missiles of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit and with this in view, beyond the alert, with all perseverance and petition for all the saints, and pray on my behalf that the utterance the utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth, to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. And and so with that, you know, that armor of God. It has to come from a place because God knows the heart and the heart is what really is. Jesus even, you know, said that as well when he was talking about the clean and unclean foods. He said that it was not what goes into the mouth and into the stomach, but what comes out of the mouth, out of the heart. Um, So we have to feel that in our heart and, and believe it. We can't just have these empty words, just like when we're praying It doesn't matter really what you are praying or what you're praying for. You have to believe that God is going to move and answer that prayer. You have to believe in what you're asking of God because God already knows our heart. He knows our intentions. He knows our needs and our our, what we want. And sometimes what we want isn't what we need. So that's why we don't get answers to some of those prayers the way that we think we should because It's not what God intends. God intends something else that we can't see because he is mightier than we are. All right, now, um, Job 1.13. Now, it happened on the day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house that a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them. And the Sabians attacked and took them. They also slew the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, 
the fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I alone have escaped to tell you. When he, while he was still speaking, another also came and said, the Chaldeans formed three bands and made a raid on the camels and took them and slew the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, your sons and your daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And behold, a great wind came from across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house. And it fell on the young people, and they died, and I alone have escaped to tell you. Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head, and he fell to the ground and worshipped. That's mighty. He fell to the ground and worshipped. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Through all this, Job did not sin, nor did he blame God. Job 2. Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, from roaming about on the earth and walking around on it. And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? For there is no one like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, fearing God and turning away from evil. And he still holds fast his integrity, although you incited me against him to ruin him without cause. And Satan answered the Lord and said, skin for skin. Yes, all that a man has, he will give for his life. However, put forth thy hand now and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse thee to thy face. So the Lord said to Satan, Behold, he is in your power. Only spare his life. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and smote Job with, a sore, bo with sore boils from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And he took a potsherd from the, to scrape himself while he was sitting up sitting among the ashes and this the first attack which satan makes on job is physical he causes job to lose the three things in life which are considered signs of a man's well-being first he lost his wealth in verses 14 to 17 second all of his children perished in verse 18 and 19 in the third place he lost his good health in um chapter 2 1 through 8 Men have cursed God when any of the three things have happened to them, but Job did not do so when all three happened to him. So I find that very, very interesting, you know, that Job, after all this was going on, he still did not curse, you know, curse God. He was allowing it to happen and okay with it. He didn't blame God. He didn't. Ask God why. He just he, he took it. Job two nine. Then his wife said to him, Do you still hold fast your integrity? Curse God and die. 
But he said to her, You speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God and not accept adversity? And all this Job did not sin with his lips. Now when Job's three friends heard of all this adversity that had come upon him, they came each one from his own place, Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuite, and Zophar the Nemanthite. And they made an appointment together to come to sympathize with him and comfort him. The second means in which Satan used to attack Job was his friends. However, let us be fair with Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. They were not fair-weather friends. They were truly concerned for their friend Job in his time of personal loss and suffering. It would have been much easier for them to have gone their own ways and to have ignored Job. Their intention was to help Job straighten out his life and recover from the disasters which had fallen upon him. What follows is a true record of what they said, but what they said was not always right. However, some of their statements were correct and quoted as scripture in the New Testament. Um, and it says here to compare Job 5, 11 through 13 with 1 Corinthians 3, 19. Job 5, 11 through 13 says, so that he sets on high those who are lonely, lowly and those who mourn are lifted to safety. He frustrates the plotting of the shrewd so that their hands cannot attain success. He captures the wise by their own shrewdness, and the advice of the cunning is quickly thwarted. And 1 Corinthians 3.19 says, For the wisdom of this world is foolishness before God, for it is written, He is the one who catches the wise in their craftiness. Now, I think this is saying, you know, there's a difference between wisdom of the world and wisdom in the word. And I think that's what this is pointing out here in this passage, because those that are wise only in the worldly things and think that it's only the things of this world that's going to ultimately matter. That's not true. Um the only thing really that's of this world that matters is, is our salvation. It's not what, what we have accumulated in mass. It's not that we have, you know, a, a large bank account or that we have this elaborate house or that we have freezer upon freezer upon freezer of meats and foods or, you know, it, it's not any of that because, it even talks about the scripture where Jesus is telling them to to sell all their possessions and go follow him. And so, you know, that's that's really where it comes to putting faith to the test, because if you truly have that faith, then you know that God's going to bless you with what you need and what. You know, he's not going to let you be hungry. He's not going to let you be without the things that you need because you're having that faith in him, but it can't be the faith that's based off of works. It can't be just like grace is not off of our, our works. I like that Liz Nella. Um, greater is the one living inside of me than he who is living in the world. And that's exactly true. Um, every, what's inside of us and, and the love that Jesus has for us just like the scripture is the living word, that's that's the greatest 
gift of all. That's the mightiest gift of all. And that's the most powerful gift that we're the most undeserving of. But because Christ loved us so much, he did that for us to save all of us. And and that's what that's where it really matters. That's what that's what counts, you know, at the end of the day, when all is said and done, yes, we should do good works because we love Father and because he loved us, not because we're trying to earn our way into heaven or we're trying to earn favor with another or that we're trying to appear better than anyone else because we're not. None of us are better than anyone. It's because we love our Father and we love Jesus so much that we want to go do these things to please Father. We want to do things that are pleasing in His sight, just like with the Ten Commandments and the Old Testament law versus New Testament law and what Jesus gave us. We should still abide, in my opinion, and this is strictly how I feel from my heart, but we should still abide by what the Ten Commandments say. Um, because we love Father, not delegated, but because that we feel in our heart. If you don't feel it in your heart, you should not, you know, do it. All right, Job two twelve. And when they lifted up their eyes at a distance and did not recognize him, they raised their voices and wept. And each of them tore his robe, and they threw dust over their heads towards the sky. Then they sat down on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights, with no one speaking a word to him, for they saw that his pain was very great. Job 3. Afterward, Job opened his mouth and cursed the day of his birth. And Job said, Let the day perish on which I was to be born, and the night which which should, excuse me, and the night which said, A boy is conceived. May that day be darkness. Let not God above care for it, nor light shine on it. Let darkness and black gloom claim it. Let a cloud settle on it. Let the blackness of the day terrify it. As for that night, let darkness seize it. Let it not rejoice among the days of the year. Let it not come into the number of the months. Behold, let that night be barren. Let no joyful shout enter it. Let those who cur- let those curse it who curse the day, who are prepared to rouse le- I'm trying to figure out how to say this correctly. Who are prepared to rouse Levanthan. You know I'm awful with these words. Let the stars of its twilight be darkened. Let it wait for light, but have none. Neither let it set, let it see the breaking dawn. Because it did not shut the opening of my mother's womb or hide trouble from my eyes. Why did I not die at birth, come forth from the womb and expire? Why did the knees receive me and why the breast that I should suck? For now I would have lain down and been quiet. I would have slept then. I would have been at rest with kings and with counselors of the earth who rebuilt ruins for themselves or with Princess who had gold, who were filling their houses with silver, or like a miscarriage which would which is discarded, I would not be as infants that never saw the light. There are there the wicked cease from raging, and there the weary are at rest. 
The prisoners are at ease together. They do not hear the voice of the taskmaster. The small and the great are there, and the slave is free from his master. Why is light given to him who suffers, and life to the bitter of the soul? Who long for death, but there is none, and dig for it more than for hidden treasures. Who rejoice greatly, they exult when they find the grave. Why is light given to a man whose way is hidden, and whom God has hedged in? For my groaning comes at the sight of my food, and my cries pour out like water. For what I fear comes upon me, and what I dread befalls me. I am not at ease, nor am I quiet. I am not at rest, but turmoil comes. Job 4. Then Eliphaz the Temanite answered, If one ventures a word with you, will you become impatient? But who can refrain from speaking? Behold, you, would have, you have admonished many, and you have strengthened weak hands. Your words have helped the tottering to stand, and you have strengthened feeble knees. But now it has come to you, and you are impatient. It touches you, and you are dismayed. Is not your fear of God your confidence? and the integrity of your ways, your hope? Remember now, whoever perished being innocent, or were, or where were the upright destroyed? According to what I have seen, those who plow inequity and those who sow trouble harvest it. By the breath of God they perish, and by the blast of his anger they come to an end. The roaring of a lion and the voice of a fierce lion and the teeth of young lions are broken. The lion perishes for lack of prey, and the whelps of the lioness are scattered. Now a word was brought to me stealthily, and my ear received, received a whisper of it. Amid disquieting thoughts from, my, from the visions of the night, when deep sleep falls on men, dread came upon me and trembling, and, all, and made all my bones shake. Then the spirit passed by my face, the hair of my flesh bristled up. I stood still, but I could not discern its appearance. A form was before my eyes. There was silence. Then I heard a voice. Can mankind be just before God? Can a man be pure before his maker? He puts no trust even in his servants, and against his angels he charges error. How much more those who dwell in houses of clay, whose foundation is in the dust, who are crushed before the moth, between the morning and evening, they are broken in pieces. Unobserved, they perish forever. Is not their tent cord plucked up within them? They die yet without wisdom. And that's wisdom of the word, not wisdom of the world. Here we see Job's friends counsel him. Um, the counsel to him is presented in three cycles of speeches in each in which each friend presents his view of job's job's problems. Job answers each proposal that is made in the third cycle. Bildad has almost given up on his friend, and Zephor does not bother to speak at all in the first cycle of discussions and um we'll get to all of that um it covers chapters four through fourteen. Eliphaz points out that Job is obviously guilty of sin. Bildad accuses him of being a hypocrite and so far tells him 
He is both a hypocrite and a liar, all of which Job denies and pleads for their mercy, stating that he is well aware of God's power as well as his own innocence. In the second cycle in chapters 15 through 21, his friends repeat their accusations that he is a sinner, justly pointed out by his denial of any wrongdoing. They add to this vivid pictures of the punishment of wicked men in order to bring Job to repentance. Job claims that they are simply confusing him with words and only interested in persecuting him. In the third cycle, chapters 22 to 31, his friends point out that the things which have fallen upon him are just the kind of things that come to men who give in to temptation and beg him to repent. At the end, Job goes into detail about his life to defend his blamelessness, insisting that he is telling the truth and that the full knowledge of the truth lies with God and not with men. Job 5. Call now, is there anyone who will answer you? And to which of the holy ones will you turn? For vexation slays the foolish man, and anger kills the simple. I have seen the foolish taking root, and I cursed his abode immediately. His sons are far from safety. They are even oppressed in the gate. Neither is there a deliverer. His harvest the hungry devour and take it to a place of thorns, and the schemer is eager for their wealth, for affliction does not come from the dust, neither does trouble sprout from the ground. For a man is born for trouble as sparks fly upward, but as for me, I would seek God, and I would place my cause before God, who does great and unsearchable things, wonders without number. He gives rain on the earth and sends water to on the fields. So that he sets on high those who are lowly, and those who mourn are lifted to safety. He frustrates the plotting of the shrewd, so that their hands cannot attain success. He captures the wise by their own shrewdness, and the advice of the cunning is quickly thwarted. By day they meet with darkness, and grope at noon as in the night. But he saves from the sword of their mouth, and the poor from the hand of the mighty. So the helpless has hope, and the unrighteous and unrighteousness must shut its mouth. Behold, how happy is the man whom God reproves. So do not despise the discipline of the Almighty, for he inflicts pain and gives relief. He wounds and his hands also heal. From six troubles he will deliver you. Even seven, even in seven evil will not touch you. In famine he will redeem you from death. And in war from the power of the sword, you will be hidden from the scourge of the tongue. Neither will you be afraid of violence when it comes. You will laugh at violence and famine. Neither will you be afraid of wild beasts. For you will be in league with the stones of the field. And the beast of the field will be at peace with you. And you will know that your tent is secure. For you will visit your abode and fear no loss. You will, also, you will know also that your descendants will be many, and your offspring as the grass of the earth. You will come to the grave in full vigor, like the stocking of grain in its season. 
Behold this, we have invested, investigated it. Thus it is. Hear it and know for yourself. Job chapter, uh, chapter 6. Then Job answered, Oh, that my vexation were actually weighed and laid in the balances together with my inequity, for then it would be heavier than the sand of the seas. Therefore, my words have been rash, for the arrows of the Almighty are within me. Their poison my spirit drinks. The terrors of God are arrayed against me. Does the wild donkey bray over his grass, or does the ox low over his fodder? Can something tasteless be eaten without salt? Or is there any taste in the white of an egg? My soul refuses to touch them. They are like loathsome food to me. Oh, that my request might come to pass and that God would grant my longing. Would that God were willing to crush me, that he would lose his hand and cut me off. But it is still my consolation and I rejoice in unsparing pain that I have not denied the words of the Holy One. What is my strength that I should wait? And what is my end that I should endure? Is my strength the strength of stones or is my flesh bronze? Is it that my help is not within me and that deliverance is dr driven from me? For the despairing man, there should be kindness from his friend, lest he forsake the fear of the Almighty. My brothers have acted deceitfully like a wadi, like the torrents of wadis which vanish, which are turbid because of ice, and into which the snow melts. When they become waterless, they are silent. When it is hot, they vanish from their place. The paths of their course wind along. They go up into nothing and perish. The caravans of Tima looked. The travelers of Sheba hoped for them. They were disappointed, for they had trusted. They came there and were confounded. Indeed, you have now become such. You see, a terror and are afraid. Have I said, give me something? Or offer a bribe for me from your wealth? Or deliver me from the hand of the adversary? Or redeem me from the hand of the tyrants? Teach me and I will be silent. And show me how I have erred. How painful are honest words. But what does your argument prove? Do you intend to reprove my words when the words of one in despair belong to the wind? Would you even cast lots for the orphans and barter over your friend? And now please look at me and see if I lie to your face. Desist now, let there be no injustice. Even desist, my righteousness is yet in it. Is there injustice in my tongue? Cannot my palate discern calamities? Job 7. Is not a man forced to labor on earth? And are not his days like the days of a hired man? A slave who pants for the shade, and as a hired man who eagerly waits for his wages, so am I allotted months of vanity, and nights of trouble are appointed me. When I lay down, lie down, I say, when shall I arise? But the night continues, and I am continually tossing until dawn. My flesh is clothed, clothed with worms and crust of dirt. My skin hardens and runs. My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle and come to an end without hope. Remember that my life is but breath. My eye will not see again, will not again see good. The eye of him who sees me will behold me no more. 
Mine eyes will be on me, but I will not be. When a cloud vanishes, it is gone. So he who goes down to Sheol does not come up. Sheol is um, a place of, of hate that also is known as Hades. Um, and that's the one that I think that we'll maybe discuss this evening and um, on knickknacks tonight. I've been trying to figure out what God's wanting me to discuss. At first, I thought we weren't going to be able to, to have a show tonight because I forgot that my daughter, I thought she had her performance tonight, but it's actually tomorrow. So we'll have a show tonight. Um, but Sheol is the place of Hades. And um, part of, I've got a good, uh, I've got something that I was given last night um, through another Bible study. It was wonderful, wonderful Bible study. Um, and it really helped explain some things that I'll share in knickknacks for y'all and in Christ followers um, that may help explain it a little bit better. But Sheol is like, it, it's Hades, it's darkness. He will not return again to his house, nor will his place know him any more. Therefore, I will not restrain my mouth. I will speak in the anguish of my spirit. I will complain in the bitterness of my soul. Am I the sea or the sea monster? That thou, that thou dost set a guard over me. Gosh, that messed that one all up. That thou dost set a guard over me. If I say my bed will comfort me, my couch will ease my complaint, then thou dost frighten me with dreams and terrify me by visions, so that my soul would choose suffocation, death, rather than my pains. I waste away, I will not live forever. Leave me alone, for my days are but a breath. What is a man thou dost magnify him, and that thou art concerned about him, that thou dost examine him every morning, and try him every moment? Will thou never turn thy gaze away from me, nor let me alone until I swallow my spittle? Have I sinned? What have I done to thee? O watcher of men, why hast thou set me as thy target, so that I am burdened to my I am, so that I am a burden to myself? Why then dost thou not pardon my transgression and take away my inequity? For now I will lie down in the dust, and thou wilt seek me but I will not be. And I'm going to stop there. Um, we will resume Job 8 on Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern for Sisters on Scripture. Today um, we covered, if you're just joining, today we covered Job 1 through 7. And again, Tuesday we'll resume with 8. Um, Job is, like I said, one of my very favorite favorite um, books of the Bible just because it shows that faith and perseverance and and trust in the Lord uh, through deliverance no matter what happens no matter what you're presented with God's still going to be there and will just still deliver you from anything you just have to continue to have that faith in him because and, and recall that we aren't of this world but we're in this world and this is a great reminder of that uh, it's it's one that's a book that's that's got it's got a lot of information it's very deep um but it's very real 
And we know that, you know, it is a real story of a real person. And many of us can relate to many of the different things that are going on in it. And I think that's why, you know, it made sure to be included in the Bible. And I think that's also part of the reason why the author is unknown. I think it's because, you know, they didn't want anyone to to judge the book by its cover or the writer. You know, it's it's something that we should just take in and know. And it keeps us on that that path to know that no matter what may happen, God is still with us. God is not allowing Satan to just manipulate us because God knows that Satan has no power. And so God allows Job to be used because he knew Satan was already watching over him and already looking and already trying to plot ways that he could be, um, you know, trying to manipulate. And Job was one of the, at that time, Job was the most righteous. So that's why God showed, okay, well, that's the man you chose. Okay, we're going to let, I'll let you test him. Um, we're going to go ahead and close in a prayer. If y'all will bow your heads. If you're driving, don't close your eyes because, as I say, God knows your heart. Heavenly Father, we thank you so very much for this time in gathering together and worshiping together. I thank you for everyone here, for this wonderful family you've brought together through you and and by using others, you brought us all wonderfully, blessedly together through all different backgrounds and through different phases and times in our lives and different journeys that we're all on to be able to share with one another uh, our strengths and our weaknesses, to be able to lift one another up and just to be able to worship together with you, Father. That is such a mighty, amazing blessing to have true, genuine friends that that are followers of Christ and believers in the word that that don't put us down when and kick us when we're already down, but lift us up through your word and through these scriptures, Father. Today I come to you with a heavy, heavy heart as we've got several that are, are suffering and enduring pain and tragedy and sorrow, Father. I pray that you lift them up. And that you comfort them and that you bless and meet their needs. Because we know that you that's what you want to do. That you want to fulfill that promise and you want to meet their needs, Father. So I pray that, like just like with Job, that you used him, even though he went through despair and he, he went through a loss of what seemed like all of his worldly possessions, Father. That you were still in the end, were there with him. To guide him and protected him and would not let any evil physically harm him. So, Father, I pray for these that are that are struggling right now in times of hard times with faith and sorrow and and death and injustice, Father, that you be with them, that you comfort them and you guide them to that faith that is is comes only from you and through the love of Jesus Christ. Father, please forgive us for our transgressions and any of our sins that we have done and the things that we take for granted on a day-to-day basis, Father. We know that sometimes we get busy with this world and, and trying to maintain different things with this world, but it's not the things of this world that will matter, but things that 
are with you and our eternity and our salvation that matter. But Father, while we're in this world, we still try to maintain the balance of love and friendship and and, and being there for one another. And sometimes we may we may miss things and and overlook things, but but no, Father, we don't mean to take those things for granted. We are blessed by all of these wonderful things and these wonderful people. So, Father, we we ask you to forgive us for that and to remind us daily that there's so many things that we we could not have that we do have. For as we see with Job, you know, and, and as my mother has taught me and as others have said, things could always be worse and it could, Father. So so just forgive us for for anything that we may take for granted and just remind us of, of what's important, the love of one another, the love in our hearts for Jesus and, and taking the time to read the scripture and the word. Father, I thank you so much for, for the love that you've shown us and the love of Jesus. It, it warms our hearts and, and truly continues to give us that courage of the sword of the spirit spirit and and to keep our armor on that armor that you give us so that way we know that no matter what plans that evil has for us we will overcome because Jesus on that cross when he died and resurrected he broke all of those chains to free all of his children to free all of us from any of those sins and that bondage that devil tries to hold us down with that baggage and we know that we are free from that. So, Father, we thank you for that. We are so wonderfully blessed beyond measure for this love. It's in Jesus Christ's mighty holy name I pray. Amen. Thank you all so much for being here. I'm going to get some music loaded up. I don't do well with typing and trying to, uh, with, with the typing and, and thinking and talking. I, I You can obviously tell I, I don't do well with that. Uh, so, yes, Jaja, good, good afternoon, darling. Um, yes, we did cover, uh, we were just finishing up. We covered Job 1 through 7 today. I should have just typed this or said this instead of typing. Um, Tuesday, we will resume with Job. Uh, Thursday, next Thursday, I'm not quite certain as far as Sister on Scripture or Knickknacks because of it being Thanksgiving. I want to, to do something, but it just depends on where we're at on the road. And I know everybody's going to be busy and and preparing. Um, we're going to be headed up to Fort Bragg, and I don't know, depending on um, the visitor center hours, because we've um, got to get some passes for my husband, daughter, and all, and so um, I got to see what their hours are. We're hoping to go up Wednesday, but it may be that we have to go up Thursday morning instead, um, so if we're on the road, I will definitely do sister on scripture from the road um because i won't be driving so letting my husband do the wonderful driving there and so i'll have it then as far as knickknacks goes for next thursday i'm not 100 percent sure yet 
would that one be an evening and it being, you know, a holiday? We'll just kind of see what father puts on my heart. So I won't schedule anything for next Thursday. But if it, see, if it looks like um, God is wanting me to do something and leading me in my heart and I feel it, then I'll post and I will make sure I share it in knickknacks and uh, as well as in Christ followers on Telegram. So that way y'all can see. I just tried to go by what Father tells me because I've learned that it's not, you know, what what we want. It's not our flesh things that we think that we can do, but what he does through us. So I try to follow that and, and follow that example. I see. Um, so echoes, too. So we're kind of, you know, all of our Thursday shows, not quite sure. This afternoon, though, we will have uh, knickknacks at 7 p.m. Eastern. Uh, like I said earlier, I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to, but thankfully, God. Oh, okay. I'll share in echoes. Um, thankfully, Father moved things around that I didn't even realize at the time. So um, I will be at my daughter's performance tomorrow, not tonight. So tonight, this afternoon, we've got Bended Knee at 4 p.m. Then at 7 will be Knickknacks. At 8 will be Echoes. And then at 9 will be Bards FM. 10.30 will be Kilted Christian. And midnight will be um, Fishers of Men. Also, Scott has um, Brighteon today at 5. All these times are Eastern time. With all of this, the many states in the U.S. being some observing daylight savings time, some not. Our state does still observe it. So I, I give up on trying to say right now on who's going to be on what time. And so I'm just going to list those in the Eastern times. We'll pick back up with Sisters of Scripture on Tuesday morning, 11 a.m., Again, thank you all for being here. I love you all, and I pray everyone has a beautiful, blessed day. Remember, don't let, um, I posted a great video that I found this morning. Um, you know, the devil tries to interfere in our lives just like he did with Job. Don't let the devil or anything evil get in your way uh, of knowing, you know, God woke us up today. So God has a purpose for us. And the devil, his plan is to try to deter us and detour us from that. We keep our eyes on Christ and our eyes focused there. Then we are definitely, definitely, definitely going to, we're going to stay on the right track if we stay our eyes on Christ. So know that God loves you. And the, he, he woke you up. So he's got purpose for you. Let the devil send him back to hell where he belongs. That is not us. And that's not for us. And God doesn't want that for us. Don't let him interrupt your day with any negativity or any anxiousness. There's nothing we should be anxious for. Because we know that if God is for us, no one can be against us. Oh, Jaja. Girl, I don't know what's happened to your phone, honey. That is weird. Um, the prediction functions, not a language you speak. My Podbean has been really odd. Um, I cannot any longer through the links. Um, it used to, when I tapped on a link, it would go directly 
to that show. It'd pull up in the app and it doesn't anymore. Ever since they did that maintenance, it has not done right. And even like publishing these shows, I have to, eh, it's interesting. I, I've learned new things though. Um, but even trying to publish it instead of doing it from my phone, well, I still do it from the phone, but instead of the app, it, um, I have to go through like onto the website, log in on the website from the phone. And it takes like several more steps now to get it published. I still get it, but, um, it, it, it's not, it's not wanting to load. I see Liz is having that. And yeah, it's not updating the shows. Um, I'm hoping I have not seen an update yet for, um, I have an iPhone and I've not gotten an iPhone update yet. I'm looking to see now in the app store because it's showing like 83 app updates. I don't let it update automatically. I turned off the automatic updates. I'm looking real quick before I tell y'all that there's not one. Um, I, I don't see where Podbean has a... Oh, no, that's Spotify. I do not see where Podbean has an update available yet. A lot of stuff does, but Rumble has an update. That may be while Rumble was going weird um, the other night for the Trump speech. And on that, guys, just want to say a little word on that. I, I know we were ending, but um, I do want to say a little word on that with, with Trump. It's, um, you know, a lot of us had a lot of disappointment by him announcing his run or intent to run for 2024. And, and while I was, I was discouraged, but it's only because I put the hype in my own brain. And and put my own thoughts into what I wanted to hear. And I understand why he went ahead and, and made that run. I think it was because others were talking about it. And he wanted to kind of get um, ahead of things with that. I don't know what's going on. And, and I don't even, to be honest, this sounds awful, but I don't care. You know, there's bigger things that that I can control and can have, you know, it says, uh, Lord, give me the strength to accept the things that I cannot change and change the things that I can, you know, so that's something I can't change. And so I can't stress about it. And I think that if, you know, you, you're, everybody is welcome to have their own opinions on it and I won't judge you based off of your opinions, but I think it's important to when times like that happen to stop before acting out of emotion and I acted out of emotion and I repented to father about that because I was angry. I was upset. You know, I, I love our country so much that I want the best for it. And, and, and so I reacted out of emotion at first, but then I was like, no, nope, I'm taking this to father. And that's what we need to do is when we have times like that, take it to father and pray on it. And, and wait because sometimes he will reveal things differently whatever's going on in the white house and presidential runs and there's nothing that we can do as far as our anger goes on on changing any of that it is definitely beyond us and what we we need to focus on is what we can change you know we can try to make changes, 
going to our neighbors and discussing with our neighbors. I need to listen to Scott Bard's FM show last night about Trump. I haven't had a chance to listen to that yet. Um, we have to go, you know, to our neighbors and start getting our neighbors to involved, you know, not just online, but, you know, speak to the people next door, speak to the people down the road. Maybe they're not aware because they're not online. So they're not looking at what's going on. Maybe they don't even know how, to, you know, where the election office is in their county. Maybe they didn't go vote. Maybe, you know, there's a lot of different things that we can change. And so by by getting together, you know, you can go, if you don't have the money for printing supplies, talk to the printer company and explain that, you know, ask them if they can donate some of it, um, you know, some of the cost to cover that and tell them why and what you're doing and pray to father before you do any of this. First off, that's the very first thing you should do is pray and ask how father wants to use you to go do these things. Yes, Lisa, maybe they don't know Jesus. And so when you go, you know, pray to father and, and you can bring the word of, of Jesus to them. And you can also bring, you know, if you bring things about your commissioners and about your council people. And if you're in the county, about your county commissioners and and get involved. I can't tell you how many empty, uncontested seats and not even uncontested, but empty seats in general. There were on our ballots, you know, and, and the local stuff. That's where we can actually make a difference or or at least try. If we haven't tried, then we need to stop criticizing those that are trying and, and get out there and, and put actions to our words and to what we're doing. I was one that was has been definitely involved in my city council meetings until they forbid me from coming because I wasn't technically a member of that city. I wasn't in city limits. Um, but I got to those that were involved, you know, and that were or not involved, that were in that city that couldn't do something. And even like with the county council, that's where I can make a difference. And so know who those people are. Talk to them. Have conversations. If you're afraid or can't get out physically, their phone numbers are listed. Call them up. Write them a letter. Send them an email. There's lots of things that can be done. And then once you discover you know, that those contact information and stuff like that. Share that with your neighbors. Share that with people close by. So that way together you can grow and grow that community because that community is what, I mean, I love every one of you here and I love ha us having this space, but we may not always have this space. So it's very important that we know who our neighbors are and know those people that can be of assistance that we can help as well. You know, there may be somebody that you might be able to, you know, maybe they don't understand or maybe they just need a little bit of help or something. You know, there's other ways besides just politics, too, that you can get out there and 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 help others and build those community foundations that are so needed right now. But my husband just walked in, so we're going to go ahead and have lunch and I'm going to get off my soapbox on that. You know, have a wonderful, blessed day. I've got a little outro song that I'll play and then um, I'll shut it down. Probably won't do the countdown. I'll just, when the music ends, then I will end it. I mean, everybody, y'all have a blessed day and 
just remember God is always with us. And because he's for us, nobody can be against us. Okay.